Well, we do believe that everyone can reach someone, but not like that, <laughs> right? Like that, that would be pretty rough. And you know, and that's probably the problem that we're facing today because most of us have believed a lie. And uh, most of us have believed a lie that when, when we go to reach our friends or our family or maybe someone that we're just really close to, we've got this idea in our head that we have to have all the theological uh, lingo down. We've got to have all the right answers. And if they ask us a question, we better know the right answer or we're going to lose them. Or we've got to know all the Christian lingo, all the Christian ease. And if we don't, if we don't get all that down... We're going to miss our opportunity to reach our friends and our family. But I want you to know this morning that that could not be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, I believe most of us have bought into another lie. And it's the lie that says you can't make a difference. You can't make a difference. And all you've got to do today is turn on Fox News or CNN and they're going to give you a whole bunch of reasons to be worried. They're going to put a whole bunch of junk on top of you and you're going to look at that junk and you're going to say, you know what, maybe I can't make a difference. Or you're going to walk through life and you're going to think because of who I am, because of what I've done, I'm not going to be able to make a difference in the lives of my families or my friends or, or even the people I just come in contact to uh, or with every day. But I believe God has positioned us to lead, to lead our community. And to set an example, one home, one individual, one family, one neighborhood at a time. And, and here's what I think about when I'm out in the lobby. When I'm out in the lobby and I'm waiting in between services and I'm watching all of you come in and you're hanging out out there with your friends and you're drinking your coffee and you're just having a good time. When I look at you guys, this is what I see. I see a bunch of heroes I see a bunch of people that can make a difference in the lives of other people. But the problem that we have is we don't see ourselves as heroes. We tend to think of ourselves just as ordinary people with ordinary, everyday lives. But my hope for you today is that you begin to see yourself as God sees you. And you begin to see yourself as I see you. And that's as a hero. And see, I think when we think about heroes, a lot of times we begin to think about people that wear capes. And we think about people that can leap tall buildings and flip cars and carry things that, that the normal person couldn't carry. Just do impossible things. But a true hero is someone that sees something that is possible and then does it. And that's why I believe everybody sitting in the seats right now at the Creek Church or watching online, you can be a hero. And that's what we find in Luke chapter 5. We find a group of men... They didn't really set out to be heroes, but they were. Look at what it says here. In Luke 5, 17, it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now let me kind of uh, set it up for you. Let me explain what's going on. Jesus is in the very prime of his ministry. His fame is spread throughout the whole land like everybody knows who Jesus is at this time. He's no longer just kind of hanging out uh, just solely with the outcast. He's no longer just with the sinners and the tax collectors. Now at this moment, everybody knows who he is and everybody wants to hang out with him. There's a mob that follows him everywhere he goes. So he finds himself in this little village and he's also found himself in this small little house. 
And the people are, if you could imagine, about 50 deep inside the house. There's just people packed in there like sardines. And there's all kinds of different people there. We see religious people there inside the home. We see sick people inside the home. The outcasts of society are inside the home. The hardworking, the blue-collar people, they're inside the home. This place is busting at the seams. And they're not just in the house. Like, they're surrounding the house. Like, people, they have their, their face mashed up against the window trying to get a glimpse of this Jesus that they've heard about. They just want to get close to Jesus. And it goes on and it says that the, the power of the Lord was with Jesus. And it was on him so strong while he was teaching that the Bible tells us that he was, he was healing sick people while he was there. So you've got to picture this in your mind. There he is in this house. It's packed full of people, all kinds of different people. Look what it says in verse 18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried. You see that word? They tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. Enter the heroes. But... The unfortunate thing about this story is we end up with a lot more questions than we do answers today. See, we don't have a lot of details about these men. If you go back to the book of Mark, Mark tells us that there were four men plus the paralyzed guy. So that means in total there were five men. But we don't know anything about these men. I mean, what village did they, did they come from? Did they come from far away? Did they, come, did they live close by? What, what did these men do for a living? All we know is that Jesus was coming to town and they had a friend who was in need. We don't know whose plan it was. We don't know if they planned ahead for the trip that they were getting ready to take. Think about it. We don't know. Maybe they were on their way to the drugstore the night before and they're walking along and they see a sign and says, Oh, look, Barnum and Bailey Circus is coming to town. And Jesus, hey, Jesus is coming to town. Quick, go get Jedediah, the lame guy. We don't, we just don't know. Maybe they woke up that morning and just heard somebody talking about it. I mean, what, was it just one guy that had this big, huge idea? We, we're just, we're really not sure. Maybe they were friends all along. Maybe they went to high school together. Could you imagine? Maybe they were all wearing the same letterman jacket walking down the hallways of the high school. Maybe the lame guy got hurt playing football. Maybe he was like that from childhood. Maybe, maybe he got hurt at work. And after he got hurt at work, these four guys decided that they were going to continue to try to take care of him. But the truth of the matter is, is we just, we don't know. All we know is that Jesus was coming to town and they had a friend who was in great need of seeing Jesus. So can you imagine it? There, there he is, and they've been down there like, hey, Jedediah, Jesus is coming to town, and we want to get, he's here, we want to get you to him. I mean, have you guys ever carried like 150 to 200 pounds of dead weight? Like, this was no small thing to do. This was no easy task for these guys. But they were like, come on, man, we're going to get you to Jesus. We're going to take care of you. But think about it on the opposite side. Think about the lame guy. Do you think that he may have been embarrassed? 
I mean, you know how people are. I mean, if you don't look like everybody else, people automatically begin to judge you and talk about you and stare at you. Do you think that he may have been embarrassed by this? Maybe he said and thought, you know what? I don't, I don't know, guys. I don't know. I've been thinking about this, and you know, you're kind of you're clumsy, and I started thinking about it. If you're carrying me to Jesus, you can fall. We could even get hit by a chariot. Like, that, that's a thing, you know? We just don't know. But we do know that they pick him up. They all grab a corner. They could have carried him a tenth of a mile. They could have carried him several miles. It was probably awkward. It was probably very hard. I'd say it was probably time-consuming to get all this together. I mean, I don't know. Did they have to take off work? And if they had to take off work, did they have to do it without pay? Did their children go without food because they were trying to sacrifice something for this man that they knew was in great need? And so we know that they, they carried him to the house. But can you imagine what they felt like as they rounded the corner? And they looked down at the house and they saw all, they saw all these people. There were sick people, religious people, doctors, lawyers, and they're just pouring out of this house. Do you think that the guys looked at that and said, you know what, I just want to give up. Look at the crowd. Did the lame guy want to give up? I mean, come on, guys. Let's, apparently, these guys did not understand nor know that anytime Chick-fil-A opens a new restaurant, you can camp out the night before to get the free chicken. Right? Come on. So they round the corner and they see, they see all these people. And the lame guy's like, oh, man, no chicken nuggets for me. You know, what, what do they do? So there they stand. Did they get discouraged? Did they want to give up? Or did one of them survey the situation and, and, and look at all the people down there and say, all right, guys, all right, okay, okay, listen to me. Don't shoot me down too quick, but, but what if we got him up on the roof? I mean, can you imagine the faces of the other men as they looked at him? Like, man, like, I can just imagine what they said. Like, what are you talking about? Get him on the, like, number one, how are we going to get him on the roof? And number two, what are we going to do with a lame guy on the roof? Like, wh what are we going to do? I can imagine another one going, stop, just stop it, guys. Quit arguing about it. We've missed out. It's over. We, we didn't spend the night. We didn't have a good enough plan. Besides that, what are we going to do? Cut in front of everybody that's already down there? So there they are. A friend lying there in need of a miracle and a Savior too far away to touch. So I guess they decide that the roof plan might be their only option. So they lower him down on his mat, through the tiles, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Imagine. Stop and imagine being there in the house. Stuff begins to fall from the ceiling. It's falling all over the place. And as a person who speaks in front of people, I want you to know that would have been very distracting, by the way. I mean, could you imagine right now if somebody decided to tear a hole in the ceiling and lower somebody through the ceiling? All, you all completely forgot about me standing up here by this time. But I believe we read this story and we're like, they carried him up, lowered him down, no big deal. But can I submit to you all, this was a ridiculous plan. Completely ridiculous. 
And most times, I think that we read it and we think, well, this wasn't a big deal. But I want you to imagine a house full of people and one of those people being Jesus. And these guys, they're on the roof and they get to the place to where there's mud and they get to the place to where there's rock. And I can imagine as they're, they're getting close, they hear Jesus below them teaching and they look at one another and say, all right, boys, start digging right here, start digging. And so they just start going at it. I mean, this was a ridiculous plan, but they did it. They took extreme measures. Why? Because they had a friend who desperately needed a touch from Jesus. And every single person sitting in this room right now, everybody that is watching at home right now, every single one of us, we know somebody in our life that desperately needs a touch from Jesus. Whether it be drug addiction, whether it be depression, whether it be alcoholism, whether, whether they're just as mean as an old junkyard dog and they need some Jesus in their life. But we all know that person. And that's the way these guys felt about their friend. And so, yes, it was a ridiculous plan, but can I tell you, it was worth it to them. And it would have been worth it to all of us if we could just get the person that we love, the person that we care about, to the feet of Jesus and know that they are going to be taken care of if we can just get them there. And, and I can't help but to stop and think about this story and think about the religious people that are in the house. I mean, because you know they're always there and they're always watching and they're always ready to complain. And I can imagine as the stuff starts falling from the ceiling, I can imagine them going, Stop it! You're getting us dirty. <laughs> and I don't know if that's how they sounded. That's the way I picture it in my mind. So, I mean, however you see it, you can do it your way, but that's the way I do it. You're getting the carpet dirty. <laughs> right? <laughs> and at what point does Jesus say, okay, boys, stop. Okay, boys, you can stop it now. How about you all come on off the roof and you come down here and we'll make an aisle for you. But Jesus doesn't do that. I mean, he wants every person there to see the faith of these four guys. Look at what it says in verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw the lame man's faith, no. When Jesus saw their faith, the four men that had their little heads sticking through the hole, looking down into the crowd, when Jesus saw their faith, he went into miracle mode. That's crazy to think about. So Jesus looks at the lame man and he says, Friend, your sins are forgiven. And at that very moment, the religious crowd begins to freak out. Look at what it says in verse 21. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they begin thinking to themselves like these guys didn't even have enough boldness inside of them to speak it out loud. They were just thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Does that not sound like religious people? Who even says that? Who is this that speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God? And I love this next part. Like this next verse lets you know that Jesus is a real OG, right? Like, I mean, come on, like, like Tupac and Biggie have nothing on Jesus today. Like, like Jesus knew what they were thinking. 
And he asked, he said, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Jesus looks at him. He's like, hey, stop thinking that in your heart. And if they weren't freaked out, they are now. Because Jesus literally just, like, he just read their mail. And and he was like, I want you to know that my grace and my love and my compassion covers the sin condition of the heart. Look at what it says in verse 23. Jesus said, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He goes on to say, so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, go home. And listen, this is crazy. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. Like the guy stood up to his feet and went home. Like, if that's not something to celebrate, I don't know what anybody celebrates today. Like, there's a lame man laying there, and the next thing you know, Jesus says something to you. He gets up and just walks off. I mean, and I can just imagine as this is going on. Can you see the faces and the heads of those four men looking through the hole in the roof? And I can imagine they're all getting excited, and they're all, they're all like doing that thing where they hug each other, and they're jumping up and down with each other. And they're like, it worked, it worked, it worked, we did it. They just watched their friend rise. Look at verse 26. It says, everyone, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. You think? I mean, like it happens all the time. The entire crowd was captivated by what just happened. And I I, I dare say that it wasn't just the crowd. It was even the townspeople. As they saw this man walk into the city carrying his mat, everybody was captivated. And the Bible says that they all began to worship God. Because there was something about watching a man who was paralyzed get to the place that he could all of a sudden walk. And it all happened because the faith of some men that said, we can't stay here. We can't stay here. We've got to get Jedediah to Jesus. Some of you have names or names, name, a name or names popping in your head right now. You can't just stay, you've got to get mobile, you've got to do something, you've got to get them to Jesus. See, they understood something that I hope we all, every single person in here could grab a hold of. There is something ridiculously heroic, ridiculously powerful that happens when we decide to invest in other people. These guys experience something together that they could never experience alone. And see, the same thing happens with us. See, it's your job to go out and to invest and to invite and bring them here. But I promise you, you all have come here enough to know that when you bring your loved one, your family, your friends here to this place, they're going to be surrounded by people that truly love them for who they are and where they are in life. (coughs) And it's something that we can't do by ourselves. It's something that we're going to experience together. And besides that, think about these guys. They had like the best party story ever. Like, whenever somebody came to them and they tried to, like, uh, tell a story, they always had a story that could one-up everybody else. Like, they heard somebody tell a story, and they'd be like, well, man, you know, that's a good story. But this one time, Jesus came to town, and, like, they could always trump that story. I can imagine they were like, yeah, like, we ripped the roof off. And they were like, what, you ripped the roof off? And they were like, yeah, God healed the guy. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, you know. 
You see, at the creek, we really do believe that everyone can reach someone. And I believe that if we position ourselves like these men did, when we, get, when we do that, we get to be part of life change. And I also understood that they endured some personal sacrifice. We know that. I mean, it was no small deal. It was no small task to get this guy to Jesus. Like, if you want the free chicken, you've got to get up early and get there. And it's not going to be a small task for some of you all to get the people that you're thinking about right now to this place. You might have to wake up early on Sunday morning and call them and say, Hey, you promised me that you were going to come to church with me this Sunday. I'm on my way to get you right now. And physically put them in the car. Or you might find that friend and say, hey, man, tell me what is your, what's your favorite place to eat. If you'll just come and see what's going on at the church, I promise, I'm going to buy you your favorite meal after the service. But it took some sacrifice. And I believe if, if, I believe if we're going to lead our families and our neighbors and our friends, it's going to take some personal sacrifice in our lives. But the, the potential payout, it's worth it. The potential payout is life change. The potential payout is set free from addiction. The potential payout is happiness over depression, life over death. But in order to get them here, we have to be willing to do this. We have to be willing to push through the awkwardness. And like when you rip the roof off of a house, and I'm not telling anybody to go do that, by the way. But when you rip the roof off of a house with hundreds of people in it, and one of them being Jesus, there's only one word for it. Awkward. These guys pushed through the awkwardness because they realized that Jesus was the only hope for their friend. You know, I really believe that God wants to do a lot through us. But we miss it sometimes because we're not willing to push through the awkward moments. I mean, think about it. Some of y'all push through the awkward moment of your first date. Some of y'all are sitting beside your first date and they're looking at you right now thinking, that was awkward. You were awkward. How many of y'all remember the awkward first kiss? That was awkward. But you all pushed through it. What about this? Moms, like, like when you put your kid in the nursery for the first couple of times, it's really hard, right? And moms are always like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be hard. They're going to they're die. They're not going to die. They're going to be happy. And we're all going to be happy that you took them to the nursery. <laughs> so push through the awkwardness. You are laughing because you know that's true. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Um, so we also know that their faith inspired others. When this guy got up from his cot, the room went wild. And when you bring whoever it is that you're thinking about and life change takes place in their life, you're going to go wild. The room went wild. Their faith inspired others. And we can do the same thing in our workplace, in our school systems, in our homes. Hey, just, just do this. Just tell them your story. Tell them what happened to you. Invite them to the creek because it, it may change their life for an eternity. And that's exactly what happened to this guy. They changed the life forever this guy's life was changed for an eternity because four guys wouldn't give up on him everyone can reach someone 
And I believe every single person, we all know someone that needs to be here. We all know people that need to experience freedom. But it's up, it's up to us to bring them. It's up to us to invite them. It's up to us to invest in them. And you know, I can't help but to stop at a moment like this and think about all the people in my own life that took the time to invest in me. That, I mean, like, there's some of you sitting in this room right now. You knew me before all this happened. I can't tell you how many times I've walked up to somebody in the foyer and they stick their hand out and they say, man, if we picked one guy to be a preacher out of school, it would not have been you. <laughs> I mean, I spent, I felt like I spent more time at jail than I did at home sometimes. But because there were some people in my life that saw something inside of me, they said, there's something about him. I, they saw me like Jesus did. And they didn't give up on me. They kept inviting me. And they kept inviting me. And they kept inviting me. And they kept saying, come and see. Come and see. Come and see. You know what happened? I finally went. And I met the same Jesus that I'm telling you about in this story. And he changed my life forever. There's somebody else I want to tell you about today. His name's Dylan. This is Dylan. Dylan's one of the most awesome young men that I've met in a long time. He's one of those guys that when he walks into the room, you can tell like God's doing something with him. Like you don't know what's going to happen, but you know it's probably going to be big. But the only reason Dylan is even part of the creek is because he had a friend by the name of Dawson. Dawson Bolin. One of his friends and kept inviting him to up front. And he kept inviting him and he kept inviting him until he finally came. Dylan came to up front and ended up in a Bible study with Pastor Ryan. Pastor Ryan began to mentor and talk with Dylan. It wasn't long after that that Dylan gave his life to Jesus. Completely changed Dylan's life. He got baptized. He started serving over in, in the kids area in production. And eventually moved from there over here to the auditorium in production. And then any Sunday, you can just, just walk outside. He's probably out there. You'll see him with a headset on. And each week, he's over in the kids' area leading other kids to Jesus. But that's not even the coolest part of the story. The coolest part of the story is that after all this happened to Dylan, his mom and dad and his sister saw something going on inside of him. So they started coming to the creek. A family that didn't hardly go to church at all, they came to see what all the, what all the uproar was about, and they ended up falling in love with this place. And they took their next step to be baptized. And it's so cool that Dylan got to help baptize his dad, his mom, and his sister. And now they're here every week, almost week in and week out, serving and being the hands and feet of Jesus, all because of one young man by the name of Dawson who would not let his buddy off the hook. And now Dylan gets to be part of watching his whole family walk into a place and serve week in and week out. And he knows and he's got comfort knowing that they're with Jesus, that their life's okay, 
And it all happened because somebody pushed through the awkward conversation. Somebody wasn't willing to give up. You know somebody right now. Be the hero of your own story. The hero of your own universe. Be somebody's hero to walk into their life and say, hey, I love you enough that I'm going to keep inviting you until you come. Because I think you're worth it. So here's what I'm going to do. I just want to pray for you all this morning. And I just want to, I just want to, I want to ask the same thing that Jesus did while he was in that room. The scripture says that the power of the Lord was so strongly on Jesus that he was teaching and healing the sick. And that's the same power I want you guys to have when you leave this building today. So let's pray together. Father, I love you so much today. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be in a place like this where people truly have a heart to know you and they truly have a heart to, to, just to, to get closer to you. But Lord, today, my prayer for each person that's sitting here right now is, Lord, that they would have the kind of power resting and sitting upon them that, that the scriptures talk about you had. Lord, that when they go see their friends and their family and their loved ones, whoever it is that you've placed on their heart, Lord, that the power of God would be so strong on them and so compelling, Lord, that their friend, their family would just say, yes, I want to go. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just begin to do something in their heart, soften their heart, and that when they walk into this place, that as Pastor Trevor stands and, he's, and he begins to speak, that, that, you, that something supernatural happens in their life. Lord, help us to push through the awkward conversations. Help us to understand the personal sacrifice that it's going to make. But help us most of all know it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Lord, I love you today. And I thank you for each person that's here. And I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.